Latin. Sorry. He has declared it. Okay, so now, like I said at the introduction, we celebrated Easter on April 17th, 2022. Ascension will be 40 days later on Thursday, May 26th, 2022. And Pentecost Sunday will be on June the 5th, 2022. Christendom worldwide commemorates and celebrates the visit of the Son of God to the earth to enlighten our darkness. We shall proceed to look at the Gospel of John to help us put the mission of the Son of God in its proper perspective, so that you and I, and as many as are called to believe in him, may know him for who he is, who he was, and who he will ever be. We are told that the holy men wrote the scriptures by the quickening of the Holy Spirit in 2 Peter 1.20. Knowing this first, the Bible says, that no prophecy of scriptures of any private interpretation for prophecy never came by the will of man but only men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit therefore we expect to find nuggets of truth about the son of God and his mission to the earth scattered in many books of scripture by the grace of God we shall piece as many as we are able to find together to give us knowledge and so give our faith in God and his Christ a solid foundation. Because the scriptures say faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Now, our first task today is to unravel the mystery of the beginning, the mystery of the beginning. In the beginning, the only other place we find this expression it's in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, it is clear that this beginning of Genesis refers specifically to the beginning of creation and differs significantly from the earliest beginning that John was talking about. We are told that in this beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, quite a number of beings were already in existence. And we find this in Job chapter 38, verses 3 to 7. Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. This is God's dialogue with Job. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understood it. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone? Verse 7, that's where we are going. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. So in this beginning of creation written by Moses, the morning stars were already in existence, and the sons of God, who we know are angels, were also in existence. 
We are told that the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God rejoiced. Now, let us recall that we are told about the sons of God in Job chapter 1, verse 6. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. Now, it is certain, therefore, that this cannot be the beginning that John was talking about. The earliest, remotest, farthest beginning. So let us look at the beginning of John's gospel. We find on closer examination that there is a significant difference between the beginning of Genesis chapter 1 and the beginning spoken about in John chapter 1 verses 1 and 2. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. We see that the beginning spoken about in the book of Genesis came in the third verse of the first chapter of John. John chapter 1 verse 3. All things were made through him. This is, this is the beginning of Genesis. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. So we must move further back to eternity to search out the beginning written about by John. This is the beginning that ends in God Almighty, the creator of all heaven and earth. In that beginning, John tells us that the Logos was there. Uh, some some uh, commentators said, there is no need translating it. You know, should just, just leave it the same way we leave Christ, Christus and, and, and Jesus. You know, leave it. In the beginning was the Logos, the word. The Logos has been translated as the word. It has also been translated or, 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 or uh, uh, said to be the wisdom of God. You know, we go to Proverbs to seek understanding of what transpired in this beginning in eternity. Here is what we find in Proverbs 8.22. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way, before his works of old. Now, this wisdom pre-existed with God Almighty before the creation of the universe. We are told further that this wisdom was in existence in eternity past at the very beginning of beginnings before creation began in Proverbs 8.23. I have been established from everlasting, from the beginning, before there was ever an earth. Furthermore, we are told that this wisdom was begotten of the unbegotten God before the works of creation started in Proverbs 8.24. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water, John tells us that in the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God in the beginning, and the Logos himself was God. Now, John and Proverbs are telling us that the Logos came forth from God in the beginning. And as a result, the Logos is one with God 
and therefore is God. Now, this corresponds with what our Lord Jesus Christ said to the Jews in John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Verse 29, my father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to plug them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. Now, of course, as you would expect, Christians over the ages have struggled with this concept of the deity of Christ. And so many, even today, have difficulties in understanding the deity of Christ. Let me take a, 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 a little uh, um, entry into the Nicene Creed. You know, I don't want to go into the history of it, but it was um, ordered by Constant, Constantine to resolve some doctrinal issues in the church. It may be proper at this stage then to look simply and briefly at the Nicene Creed in church history and how the church addressed these writings of John and incorporated them into the basic beliefs of Christians. Now, the original Nicene Creed was first adopted at the First Council of Nicaea, which opened on 19th June, 325 AD. It was called, like I said, by Emperor Constantine to resolve and consolidate articles of faith in the church, particularly beliefs and believers that had issues understanding texts like Proverbs 8.24, which said, I was brought forth in the beginning. Now here's the, the introduction, just a brief, the first part of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen, visible and invisible. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being, or as the modern uh, version would say, being of one substance with the Father. And through him, all things were made. In other words, in other words this Nicene Creed was incorporating, you know, what we scripture has already revealed about the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let us then look briefly at what John was trying to address, understanding the deity of Christ. Now, we must know that understanding the deity of Christ is not academic or knowledge for knowledge's sake. There are scriptures that tell us that his nature is important because we are to share in that nature and become one with him not only in time, but also in eternity. First, we deal with the issue of being one with him in time. Okay? The Bible says in Romans 8.29, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined 
to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So in time, you and I are to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. But then we are told that he died the death we should have died so that we may live his life on the earth. And that's what conform, being conformed to his image is all about. Since he died the death I should have died, I'm obligated to live the life he should have been living. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but they should live for him who died for them and rose again. So we are to be conformed into his image, and because he died the death we should have died, we are to live the life he should have lived. And that's why it's important to understand the deity and the nature of Christ here on earth so that we, we love like him, we are humble like him, we serve like him, we do everything the way he did. Secondly, we are to share his nature in eternity also. That's why the deity, like I said, the deity of Christ is it, not a simple matter of knowledge. No, it is an experience that you and I are looking forward to. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be exactly like him, for we shall see him as he is. The Bible is saying that in eternity, we shall share the nature of Christ and all that he is in the presence of God. Amen. Our Lord Jesus told us that we are to be one with him and so one with God. I find that scripture very, very fascinating. In John 14, 20, at that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. It's an amazing scripture. It's like, it's like our Lord Jesus Christ is going to transport you and I into God so that you, you and I can also become one with God. It's an amazing concept. Now, we must relate the mystery of the deity of Christ to our own goal as creatures made in the image of God who lost that image during the fall of man. In Genesis 1.26, we're told, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth. And over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. That's 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, the fall of man robbed us of the opportunity of knowing what the reality of this is. You know, the fact that we are made in the image of God, we never found out what it was really all about. How divinity could exist in humanity so that God can become one with man on the earth, his creature. Now, the psalmist, he told us that we were made lower than Elohim 
to be regents on earth and in charge for God. That is Psalm 8, 5 to 6. You have made him a little lower than yourself. That's what the scripture says originally. You have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him rule. You have made him to rule what your hands created. You have put everything under his control. Now, this is why we are called gods who nevertheless die as ordinary creatures because, sin and, because of sin and the fall of man. Psalm 82, 6 to 7 says, I said, you are gods. You are all sons of the most high. You will certainly die like humans and fall like any prince. Now, our Lord Jesus, he revealed this complex relationship that we really can't fathom to its full depth. No, we can only try to gain insight and understanding that will benefit us in our journey from earth to heaven. Our Lord Jesus Christ, he revealed this when he said to his disciples in his prayer, John 17, 20, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. That's the mystery, you know. Jesus is in God, God is in Jesus. And Jesus said, let, let you and I be in them so that we can become also one with them. Verse 22, I've given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I'm in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you give me because you loved me even before the world began. Now, this very intricate relationship between us believers and God and Christ ends with a statement that reveals the eternity of Christ. He said to the Father in verse 24, you loved me before the world began. Now, the summary of all this is that the deity of Christ has something to do with me and you. You and I as believers in Christ, particularly those who have been called to follow him, must know that we are called to conform to his nature and character on earth. We are called to reproduce his life of self-sacrificing love, humility, and service to our fellow human beings. That's what he came to demonstrate. That's what he came to teach, the, the, the nature of God, the God nature, how he loves and serves and blesses people in spite of them, not because of them. By the logic, the picture. We go to John 15, verse 9. This is what he taught us in John 15, verse 9. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. This is the New Living Translation. Then he says, when you obey my commandments, you will remain in my love, 
just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. This is the essence of the whole thing, that when I am conformed to the image of Christ, when I put on in my life the nature of Christ, I live, I allow him to live his life through me so that I can become one with God on earth. This is what the whole thing is all about. So you see, if you think about the deity of Christ, as oh yes, it was God in the beginning, but that's not the essence of it. The real reason is so that that God nature can come into you and I and begin to manifest to our own generation so that they will see Christ in us. And when they see Christ in us, they will see God through us. So, I have loved you even. This is my commandment, verse um, verse, um, 11 said. I've told you this thing so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Verse 12, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. That's why we say every believer needs to understand the the Christ kind of love. It is a self-sacrificing love. And and those who who, uh, practicalize it in their relationships, they, they, they transform people's lives as a result. You know, when they, because love, love always overcomes. You know, we have said here on this platform that Jesus Christ is the king that rules by love. Hallelujah. And that's exactly what he wants us to go and do, you know, to, to bring the love of God to our world in every way possible. Now, let us remember that the apostle Paul captured this in 1 Corinthians 15, 45 to 49. First, it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it's not the spiritual that is first, but the physical, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. And as is the man from heaven, so are those who are of heaven. As many as have surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ. And verse 49, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we will also bear the image of the man from heaven. So, like I said, the deity of Christ, his, his divinity, the, the oneness with God is not academic. It is an experience that you and I should begin to enter into here by sharing in his nature, by being conformed into his nature, so that in eternity when he appears, we will be, like the Bible says, be transformed into his image completely. Amen. Amen. So, as we go further in this study then of the book of John, let us ask the Holy Spirit to cause us to grow into the image of Christ so we can become one with him in spirit and in truth. Okay, so we go uh, briefly then to the second beginning in John chapter 1 verse 3. 
All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. Creation came about through the living word. We are told that the world as we know it existed in its invisible form. And that this invisible form was made visible through the Logos, the word of God. Hebrews 11.3 says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. In other words, the visible world came from an invisible framework. You see, this invisible framework was already in existence. And so the word is the, is the factor of incarnation. It, it moves things from the invisible to the visible. So in the book of Genesis then, we are told of the calling forth by faith of what had existed in its invisible form in the mind of God. Genesis 1, 1 to 4 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. Again, in verses 6, 9, 14, 20, and 24 of Genesis chapter 1, we have that word of authority. Let there be. Hallelujah. And as the living word decreed it, so it was. Okay, so now we return again to, to look at John chapter 1 verse 3. It says, all things, not some things, all things were made by him. And without him, there was nothing made that was made. Okay. Now, we gain further insight into this from Proverbs 8, verse 25. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth, okay? While I said he had no, not made the earth or the fields or the primeval dust of the world, when he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters would not transgress his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth. Now look at verse 30. Then I was beside him as a master craftsman. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. 
Let us note that verse 30 in particular. It says, I was beside him as a master craftsman. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. Now we can understand the scripture that says that all things were made through him. That is it. That the living word, when you hear, let there be. That's the living word. Bringing into uh, a reality or physical reality what had existed in the invisible. Besides, in the work of redemption, our Lord Jesus Christ, he was revealed to us as the wisdom of God, designated by the Lord God Almighty himself. And we see this in 1 Corinthians 1.30. But of God, you and I are in Christ Jesus. And this Lord Jesus has become for us wisdom from God. He has become for us righteousness. He has become for us sanctification and redemption. So it is important then to embrace fully the, the, the deity of Christ, knowing that as many of us who are in Christ Jesus, we are destined to share that nature and we are to begin to share in his humanity the nature he revealed when he was man with us so that having won that nature when he appears, whatever is lacking in us will be consumed in the glory of his nature so that we can become fully, in every sense of the word, one with him. So, as we go forward in this Gospel of John, remember that the purpose of his incarnation is to make sons of men into children of God. That's the whole idea. Who will share the nature of God through Christ? As we are told in Romans 8.29, our Lord Jesus Christ is to be the first among many brethren who became like him through faith. The prophet Isaiah, he declared in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, for unto us a child is born. That's the humanity. And unto us a son is given. That is the divinity. Government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now, let us conclude by saying that our Lord Jesus came to reveal that in our original state of creation before the fall, divinity coexisted with humanity in the first Adam before the fall. But the fall of man destroyed all of that and the foundation of the original relationship. In the second Adam, who is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we have the privilege, as many as will come to God through Christ, we have the privilege to share in the God nature through Christ. Because we become one with him. And because he is one with God, 
we are one with God through him. That's an awesome, awesome, awesome privilege. And that's why nobody who understands the mystery of Christ will dare to backslide. Because I always ask, so what are you, if you backslide, where are you going to? Are you going to leave all this glory, you know, to go and die at the death of a sinner and, and go to hell? Instead of embracing the glorious opportunity of sharing the nature of God through Christ. I don't know who you are under the sound of my voice. I pray that the Holy Spirit will touch your heart, particularly those who are yet to give their life to Christ, or those who are not sure of their relationship, or those who are not committed to being conformed into the image of Christ. This is the time to say to yourself, enough of um, uh, um, playing games in church, enough. I must strive daily to, to yield myself so that the Spirit of God will conform me to the image of Christ. Amen. I have won the image of Adam. I must wear the image of the first Adam. I must wear the image of the second Adam, who is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. 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 Thank, thank you so much, Doctor. You know, there's one thing that you said, which I'd like to paraphrase. You said our objective is to become like Jesus, and the way we get there is by obedience. Can you please just highlight that again? Yes, because, um, you know, um, um, obedience is what works uh, faith. You know, the Bible says Abraham believed God, it was counted to him for righteousness. How did Abraham show that he believed God? Because God said to him, leave uh, this place Come to the place I will show you, and there I will bless you. And Abraham believed God and obeyed and went. And so, and so obedience is the key. If I say I believe God, then I have to obey and follow and do as he says. That's really what it is. It is not a, a religious thing, you know, oh, I believe God, then I do as I like. No, it doesn't work that way. So once I say I believe God, then I must do as he says. And that's what God is, is looking for. And that's what Moses said to Israel. What does the Lord your God require of you? It's to love the Lord your God, to fear him, to walk in all his ways, to obey his commandments. That's what God requires. You know, our Lord Jesus Christ himself, he taught us both vertical and horizontal love. And that vertical love is love the Lord your God with all your heart. And to God, loving God simply means obeying God. Yes, you and I can express great emotions in our worship of God. We can fall on the ground, roll on the ground. But if at the end of all of that, we don't obey God, then it is meaningless religion. It is meaningless religion. So if the Bible says, you know, uh, uh, I always use the example of marriage. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit to your own husbands. You know, you may not find it easy doing it, but because it's God who said so in his word, ah, then you have to ask for grace to do it. And then you discover when you do it that the favor, the presence, the blessings of God overtake you. No matter what it is, whether it is uh, 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 supporting the work of the kingdom, whether it is loving people, forgiving them, whatever. If there is showing humility in service, whatever God asks you and I to do, we have to do. 
That's the only way the kingdom will prosper in our lives. Amen. We have another question. He says, Jesus commanded us to love others just as he loved us. But this other scripture that says we should love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And we know that some of us do not even love ourselves. So which is the way to go? <laughs> <laughs> well, it is, it is, you know, the, the love your neighbor as yourself is from um, Leviticus 19.18. That's actually where our Lord Jesus took it from. You know, and he took the first commandment from Deuteronomy 6, 4, 4 and 5. You know, here is Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So he said, our Lord Jesus was answering a question posed under the law, which is the greatest commandment in the law. But then, you see, you're right in saying that you should love your neighbor as yourself. So if you don't love yourself, then there's a problem. But Jesus has simplified it, that what that actually means is love your neighbor just as I have loved you. And that is the self-sacrificing love. So even when you don't love yourself, you can love your neighbor the way Christ loved you. Because you cannot say that Christ hasn't loved you or hasn't shown you love. That's why he came all the way from heaven to die for your sins and mine. So, so it is important to, to, to follow because that's a, that's a, you know, like the Bible says, Jesus is fulfilling the law in his greatest and widest dimension. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, 19, that when you and I love like Christ, we become filled with the nature of God. You know, we become filled with the fullness of God. So yes, you know, if you don't love yourself, then love your neighbor as Christ has loved you. Amen. It's also essentially what you're saying, it all comes down to being practical, obedience Very. to the word of God that has been revealed to us. And, and that's really what changes people. Okay. If if you and I turn around to love people practically, you know, self-sacrifice, go out of your way, it costs you something, you know, then you see, they will realize that the love of God is real. And if they then dare to ask you, oh, why are you really doing all this? He said, because of the love of Christ. You know, that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. The love of Christ is compelling me to do the things I'm doing. I'm not good in myself, but the love of Christ is driving me. So essentially, that is also one of our greatest tools for evangelism, our own obedience. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. To bring others. You see, so when Particularly when you have experienced the love of God, when your life has been touched, you know, because after you've been a Christian for some time, you can look back and say, wow, if I hadn't met Jesus when I did, what kind of <laughs> life would I be living? God forbid. So, so that is, that is, it is that depth of gratitude that makes you take opportunity to share with anyone who cares to listen how Jesus can make such a difference in their lives and change, particularly change the quality of their life and cause them to have joy and peace, no matter the challenge that is going on around them. But staying on, staying on that theme of evangelism, sir, our obedience is swimming against the tide of public 
of what everybody else is doing. So it actually is a tool for evangelism if we can. But it's not only that. It's also, it's also um, when, you, when you are able to have the boldness and the courage to say yes when everybody else is saying no, okay, then people know that there are believers who are empowered by their convictions to stay the course. And that's very important in this our age. You see, people are looking for people who are actually taking a stand for God to inspire them. You know, I, I, I was telling a group of people that um, if you went to an office and they're doing something bad, you know, there may be other Christians there joining and doing something bad. But the moment you stand up and say, you know, this thing is bad, you may find one or two people that will come up and say, yes, I agree with you, it's bad. You know, but if there is nobody that can stand up because of the, of the drive of the spirit of God to say, I, I beg to differ. I beg to differ. This cannot be true. This cannot be the way. You know, once you are able to do that, then you become a center for people who need answers. You know, are you able to say yes? You know, me too. I felt the same way you felt, but I didn't have the boldness and the courage to say so. I say, yes. You see, when they now come privately, then you're able to tell them that the, the, the boldness is from the Holy Spirit. You know, and, and, and then the people's lives will be genuinely transformed. It is important. Evangelism, you know, I call, I call evangelism has a, one where you speak and you, you try to persuade uh, people uh, or expose them to the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. But that is the one we call evangelism without words, mm. where the life that we live speak volumes. And when we preach and we don't live the life, oh, it makes a mess of the whole thing. You know? And that's why we must preach the gospel and live the life to prove that Christ changes lives. You know, I said to someone once, if you and I do not change, then we are saying that Christ is merely for religion, that he doesn't really change people. But that's not true. The Apostle Paul said, I know who I was before. You know, Jesus has revealed his grace in my life. You know, and not only did he clean me out, he put me as one of his servants Hallelujah. in the preaching of the gospel. So, so essentially, doctor, in this new Nigeria that we are praying for, our role as Christians is to be in the place of obedience, Yes, it is, it is, it's actually to live the, the life, life that we are called to live. You know, that scripture is very pivotal to that. When a man is in Christ, the new creation. new creation, old things are passed away. And where you, this has actually happened, it has been a powerful witness because the past people who knew the fellow before will know and testify that Yes, indeed, I can testify. This man has changed. This lady has changed. I knew them before. They're no longer what they used to be. And that's, that's the thing that sets the word, you know, in the heart of people. And, and some will begin to pray. I wish I had the same courage and the boldness to, to say no to what is wrong. And so yes to what is right. You know, so th th this is it, you know. And, and that's why 
going out to share the gospel, going out to live the life of Christ, wherever we are, you know, and oftentimes you don't have to go too far. There are all the people around you watching, watching, you know, they want to see whether you live what you profess. And once you and I begin to live what we profess, God will send us people who are hungry for truth in their lives. Amen. Amen. Okay, so doctor, please pray for all those who would like to start on this journey of obedience again. You know, we prayed last week, yes, but it seems as if it's a daily thing, cause correction. Okay, let us pray. Lord Jesus, you know every heart. May your Holy Spirit take us. As many of us are on this platform today and turn us into glowing lights in a world of darkness. Amen. That the world may see the light of your life in us and then their darkness will go away. Amen. And Lord, as many as you have touched today, draw them to yourself. So wherever you are, if you want to rededicate your life to Christ, you want to give your life to Christ, just say with me, Lord Jesus, please come into my heart now and be my Lord and my Savior. I surrender to you. And by your grace, I will follow you. I will love you. I will serve you all the days of my life until I see you in heaven. And Lord, as many as have prayed this prayer, May your spirit enter into them and establish a home for you, O oh God, Amen. that their lives will never be the same again. Give them boldness and strength and inner strength and courage to stand firm for you, no matter the pressure. For it is in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, doctor. Okay, pastor, okay? Let somebody praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It is time to take our offerings, and I believe it is also a time to show our gratitude and our appreciation for what the Lord is doing. I believe that this fellowship is a work of love by the Lord to give us an opportunity to learn, to grow, and to manifest and present ourselves and to glow like light or to be the glowing light in a, in a world of darkness as doctor has just prayed for us. So for this, as we as we prepare to give our offerings, please um, note that on the screen are displayed the numbers, you know, or sorry, the account numbers, yes, for, for giving the offerings. For giving the offering, direct offering, please give to Fidelity Bank 508-005-0643 to support Kingdom Life Seminar as a project, as a ministry. You can give to 508-009-9709. And then to support the works of the ministry in terms of CSR, you can give to 401-144-5486, all Fidelity Bank. There's also on the chat box uh, the SWIFT account or the, or the account for giving from out of, out of the country. And I'm sure that will be blessed as we give. Let us just pray um, over our offerings. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I just want to say thank you for the opportunity to gather again. 
we never take this gathering or this opportunity for granted. Thank you for giving us the opportunity, Father. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to, you know, be washed and cleansed and to shine as light in a world of darkness. Father, please come and help us even as we have prayed in Jesus' name. We Amen. offer you ourselves and we bring our offerings with us. Father, come and prosper the work of this ministry. Come and prosper every one of us that is a partaker of this ministry to go and shine as light. Come and help this ministry to be a maximum fruit, hundredfold impact on our world, Father, so that all glory and honor will return to you and the blessings will come to us here on earth, Father, for in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Okay. And uh, thank you, everyone who has joined us so far. We're now going to go into a time of prayer. But just before we do so, I'd like to just uh, tell uh, anyone who is joining us for the first time um, about the other prayer meetings that we have. We meet every morning at 5.30 a.m. and on Zoom to pray. And we meet in the evenings at 6.30 a.m. at 6.30 p.m., except on Mondays, also to pray for Nigeria and all the nations of the world. On Wednesdays, we meet at 12 noon and we pray for every nation of the world by name. We're praying for revival. We believe that only revival can turn things right side up for us. And then on Saturdays, we meet at the KLS Center uh, for an eight o'clock KLS worship experience. And you're invited to join us uh, for, for as many as you can uh, partake whether you can come physically on Saturday or join us on Zoom, you're all welcome. The, on the fourth uh, Saturday of the month, a doctor holds a marriage and relationship clinic where he seeks to expound the biblical principles for uh, better relationships and marriages. So please join us. Now we're going to go into a time of prayer. Um, it should last about just, uh, just about an hour. And the format is that we'll, we'll, we'll start with our worship and then we'll pray for our nation, Nigeria. We'll then pray uh, for the continents of the world. We'll pray against the scourge of COVID. We'll pray against the LGBTQ agenda that the West is trying to foist on us. We'll pray against the one world government agenda. And then we're also going to pray uh, concerning the 2023 elections. Uh, finally, we'll pray for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, our conquering Messiah. And then Dr. will be on hand to give us a closing uh, benediction and blessing. So please join us as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Sister Anne. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Blessed be God Almighty. Hallelujah. Let us pray. We come to you, ancient of days, the God of all heaven and earth, we worship you, O King of all the ages, who does all things after the counsel of your own will. We proceed right now to wash ourselves in the blood of Jesus Christ, your Son, and to clothe ourselves fully in his righteousness, thanking you for all your love and mercy. We acknowledge that we are most undeserving of your love, and we're deeply grateful for your kindness in accepting us in your beloved. Let us take a moment now as we wash ourselves in the blood of Jesus and as we clothe ourselves in his righteousness. 
tunzani kasa to salahani mashika roto ne mashir handa basure baliki ya ruili darudia Jesus the Christ we have prayed Amen. we approach your throne of grace in humility with gratitude confessing the virtue and the power in the blood of Jesus Christ your son that has made us accepted in your most holy presence. Oh Lord, our God, we thank you and thank we you. bless your glorious name. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's take our global praise, Psalm 100, verses 4 and 5. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let us give thanks unto the Lord our God, for he is good, for, for his, his mercy endures forever. Oh, we give thanks to the Lord who created the heavens and the earth, for, for his, his mercy, mercy. Oh, let us give thanks unto the Lord whose throne is established in righteousness and truth and who rules in the affairs of men with justice, with holiness and purity for forever. Let us give thanks unto the Lord who forgives all our sins, heals all our diseases, who keeps us safe from all plagues and pestilences like Ebola and COVID-19. For, For his mercy endures forever. Oh, let us give thanks unto the Lord who woke us up this morning and saw us individually through our day, showering us with his love and kindness. For, For his, his mercy endures forever. We give thanks unto the Lord who satisfies our mouths with good things and daily loads us with benefits and renews our youths like that of an eagle for, for his mercy. mercy yours yours forever. Oh, let us give thanks unto the Lord who saved us, filled us with his Holy Spirit and commissioned us to spread the gospel of the kingdom of God and his Christ at home here in Nigeria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. For his mercy forever. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord who gave us the careless vision 